This episode of the See You Next Summer podcast is brought to you by Sandcaster. Uh, we love the quality of Sandcaster. We mostly use it or have the high quality of the audio recordings. And it will always help us to sound our best. We have used Sandcaster for more than two years. We love it. So right now, this episode is brought to you by them. Uh, we, we have an offer right now. Go to sencaster.com slash pricing and use our code C-U-S-E-E-Y-O-U and you will get 30% off of your first month of any Sencaster pay plan. We want you to have the same experiences that we do for all our your, all your podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Any kind of podcast free from, from cooking, movies, TV shows, we highly recommend you. So please go to sencaster.com slash pricing. Use our code C-U-S-E-E-Y-O-U and you'll get 30% off of any Sencaster pay plan. Welcome to the See You Next Summer Podcast. I'm Raul Rodriguez and here's with me, the George Bailey to my clients, Billy Palahan. Oh, uh, well, hello there, everybody. It's... Uh... Uh, Jimmy Stewart here, and it's not, I don't have your money, it's in, it's in Fred's house, and that's in Susie's house, and it's in Tom's house, anyway, what's, what's up everybody, we're here to talk, <laughs> thank you, first of all, to our, welcome to our season finale, yes, the season finale, my god, and we're gonna end it with, not even just one of the most famous Christmas movies but just one of the most famous movies mm -hmm. of all time this is a very big big movie yes to cover humongous movie we're doing it's a wonderful life but is it is it a wonderful life is it mm. that's the question that i have that's the question of the of movie yeah this movie also shout out to it's a wonderful podcast that refuses to cover this movie mm -hmm. Because then that would mean that would be their series finale. Ah. It's our, our friends Morgan and Janine, and they cover old movies pre-1970. Mm -hmm. They also have a series called Morgan Hasn't Seen. And yeah, we just want to shout out Morgan because, well, he was my first internet friend. Mm -hmm. And I know he was one of your first yes. as well. He's the He's actually younger than either of us, but he... You would not know by the way that he talks. Oh, he no. is very much an old grumpy man. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah. Much like Mr. Potter sometimes, but oh. that's also because he's British. Um <laughs> I have an interesting story um, history with this movie. This is my second time ever watching this movie. I think I saw the first time I saw this movie was before the pandemic. I think like 2018, 2019. And also because I think it was exactly when Amazon added it to Amazon Prime because it was a big deal that Amazon Prime got the rights exclusive for, for It's a Wonderful Life. And it was remastering 4K and everything in color in black and white. And I was like, you know what? I told my mom, I was like, I have never seen it. I want to see it. So we all sit down. I said, my mother told me, I think you're going to like it, but it's too very depressing. She told me right ahead. Okay. Okay. And I sit down. And I, I we were in Vegas. I remember we were in Vegas, and I we were in the computer. And I was watching it with her, and I'm like, you know, I was, the, I, the, I was, the, I was just crying throughout the whole thing, and specifically at the end. I'm like, my God, it was like, a, I'm not gonna say my complaint until we get to that moment, but I'm like, I still have that complaint even seeing it the second time. But it's a really good movie, though. 
already knew about this story because of the parodies. I think the first time I ever saw a parody of It's a Wonderful Life was in Married with Children. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, being American, of course. I watched this movie on my own accord, though, because there are certain movies I would watch. You know, every year for me, it's a Christmas story. We'd always because it's always on TBS. And this movie is on NBC 24-7. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. And I had heard about this. You know, I've seen plenty of versions of A Christmas Carol. And I grew up on Elf. That was a big one. There were plenty of Christmas movies that I watched. Meet Me in St. Louis, obviously, was a very big one, obviously. Because I'm from St. Louis. And then I had heard about It's a Wonderful Life. And I was like, oh, come on. It can't be that good. And then I started watching it and it's like, okay, so this like coffee stain on a screen with like the worst fake, like this cheesy looking uh, angels and and stuff are going to come in in this black and white movie. And oh, what? Uh, Jimmy Stewart is just doing what he usually does. It's like, okay, when when's the movie going to get started? And then... At some point, about halfway through the movie, I just, I, I got it. You know, it's a very, very simple premise. And it's the story of how one man's life affects so many others. Yes. And also, I will say this. And that's, that's its appeal. Not only this appeal. This is, in my opinion, I don't think if children see this movie, will not get it, though. Because this is a very adult story. Oh, no, no. Well, I think kids could still get it. Like They will get the thing of, like, loving Christmas. But and also like uh, but they won't understand the struggles though because like George's struggles of like having education and oh, finance yeah, stuff, a lot they of, will not they will not get it. I think that's what makes this story so great is that mm-hmm. it appeals to kids and adults. Mm-hmm. Adults can watch this further on in life and totally understand George's struggle, but here you can. I mean, kids can probably just appreciate the story and everything. And they're a lot smarter than people think they are. True. I think they could understand stuff. And yeah, no, this is 1946. This is the oldest movie that we've covered as well. Yes. This is one of our very few black and white movies. I don't even know if the. I think this might be our first black and white movie. We had never done. Ple- oh, no, no, no. Ed, Ed Wood. Ed Wood. I was going to say, we had never done Pleasantville. Yeah, we have not done Pleasantville. That would be interesting. But this is Frank Capra, very famous director. And mm-hmm. James Stewart, one of the most famous American film stars of all time. He was Tom Hanks before Tom Hanks. Yes. He was the likable guy that you always, he got typecast as the likable guy that everyone ca- liked. And I know. And just, he wasn't always like the most handsome mm-hmm. like not traditionally handsome but you know what not a not a bad looking guy he also had a very specific way of talking yes too that is very, very distinct very tall but he, he was just one of those you know those ah shucks kind of guys very awfully time like he was always casting these roles because you can't help but root for this guy Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Tom Hanks. You can't help but like him. Even the only time that Tom has played a villain in Elvis, and I'm like, I like him, though. I still like him. I've seen Jimmy Stewart play a villain before, and he's actually pretty good in it. Nice. It's, it's in a movie called The Thin Man uh, Returns. It's actually one of the, f- probably the original film franchise. It's uh, it's about a wa- wife and husband. The husband's a detective, and their names are Nick and Nora. 
And yes, that is what Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, that's what the names are a tribute to. I knew, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, this is about, uh, it's Christmas Eve in 1945 in Bedford Falls, New York. Mm-hmm. And we he, hear, uh, we just see the outside of houses and everyone's just like, Lord, please help George Bailey. Mm-hmm. He's going through a really tough time and we're seeing a lot of people praying for him. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to the sky, to the coffee stains up there, and it's God mm-hmm. and this angel named Joseph. And they're like, oh, okay, we got a uh, George Bailey. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who, who is in charge of George Bailey? And then they're like, oh, yeah, it's this, that, that clown Clarence. Mm-hmm. And he skirts on by and he's a little star. I know. And you can tell the angels, the, Joseph, the angel's a dick. Yes. Clarence he's just always talking down to him and stuff and Clarence is just or he's just like you know he's not that bright but he makes up for it with enthusiasm the thing that is so interesting though because we haven't described is just three different stars in a black screen talking and it's riveting well it's it's cheesy at first like once you get past it though like what they're actually talking about because God's just like Clarence, I need you to help George Bailey because he is contemplating suicide mm-hmm. right now. And Clarence is like, oh, well, okay, Lord. And then after this, will you give me my wings? And he's like, yes, Clarence, I will give you wings if you help George Bailey. And But first, we need to learn about George pa- uh, Bailey. And then, uh, oh yeah, no, it's Cla- Clarence Oddbody, Guardian Angel, second class. That's why he doesn't have his wings. Mm-hmm. Very important. And then we get into, uh, we're showing flashbacks because they're like, you got to know George. Yeah, because technically like the f- first hour and 20 minutes of this movie is a flashback. It's many flashbacks. It's learning about George. It's basically a, a, the first act. And structurally, this should not work. No. On paper, if you do this in any other movie, it would not work. But because George is our focus, it works really well. Mm-hmm. And it starts with he's 12 years old and he's going down a hill with his friends who are instead of ha- they didn't have sleds. So they just rode the snow shovels mm-hmm. on thin ice. They're kids. And then George's younger brother, Harry, falls into the ice. But George comes and saves him, mm-hmm. saves his life. Unfortunately, he caught a cold and it infected his uh, ear. Uh, it left him deaf in his left ear. And he cannot, yeah, he can, technically cannot hear from that ear. And then we timed him into another, but um, now I think George in the next time jump is, he's like 17, right? No, sorry, like 14, 15 when he's at the pharmacy, right? Yeah, just about. Yeah, when he's working at the pharmacy. Child labor laws, what are those? We also see that George has a lot of friends. Yes. And that he's typically, everybody likes him. It is a very small town. <laughs> like it is very much one of those hallmark cw or wb shows like a gilmore girls or a uh so you're saying that recently on netflix a virgin river where everybody knows everybody so you're saying that there's a version of this is called bailey boys <laughs> the first no just uh bedford, bedford falls. falls it's a good sounds like a good show though <laughs> oh it sounds like a very cheesy hallmark show but my point being is that George has a lot of friends, including one of his friends, uh, Sam, well, who we'll get into. He, he does this thing that I never really understood, but 
it's it's kind of funny it's it's a 40s thing i guess mm-hmm. um but he prevents the pharmacist mr gower from accidentally poisoning somebody because we learned that his son died in the war from no from an epidemic which was the spanish flu oh i thought you said spanish is setting the telegram influenza because of the war i think it said it also there so maybe it was also like in between the war i think it was just like i, I don't know yeah, because the telegram was so quick, but I did read the influenza thing. It was after World War One, though. Yeah. So it would I don't know what war they were talking about. Anyway, the pharmacist, Mr. Gower, this guy is terrible at first. I mean, you could clearly tell there was something. He was not in the right mental state to be doing his job. He fucking smacks George in the face twice, really hard, so hard, in fact, that it causes his ear to bleed. But, of course, he's just like, he realizes... Oh crap! I could have just killed somebody, and then he apologizes profusely. So, I mean, that's a big thing to have to essentially save someone's life, and he helped save his boss's life in a way. Mm-hmm. And he's he's like technically he's like he's built with well-being with the town though, because he immediately will get crucified, and then also we go into. Well, it wasn't a time jump. It was I think it was the same year oh, okay. as he rescued Harry. So it was like just after World War One was ending. And yeah, that's when the Spanish influenza, which was that was the biggest thing before COVID mm-hmm. hit. And then we go into Peter Bailey's office, that is the building and loan, and we see the villain of this story, Mr. Potter. One of the biggest assholes in cinema history. Played by Lionel Barrymore. Yes. Yes. Barrymore. Mm-hmm. As in Drew's grandfather. She comes from a very famous acting dynasty. Her father was also an actor, John Barrymore. Mm-hmm. And this guy is basically like a Scrooge never came around. Never. He is the most curmudgeon. He's a horrible, horrible man. I think that Mr. Potter is, I'm pretty sure this was the basis for Mr. Burns. Because he behaves like Mr. Burns though sometimes. He's basically Mr. Burns. He doesn't give a fuck about people. He only cares about uh, care about money and property. I mean, like he could have put out uh, uh, to uh, to take over the sun, like in, the, in like in the Simpsons and before falls, that could have happened. <laughs> oh, he would if he could, if it meant like giving a profit. And we learned that Mr. Potter is also trying to monopolize everything, but the building alone, which George's father runs with his uncle Billy. Who we will we'll talk about Uncle Billy. I actually have a rant about him, and he he basically has a he's the spark. Let's just say he's the catalyst for the plot. Yes, because of one simple thing that he did. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we see that it's 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 a family business, mm-hmm. and that they're actually not a great business, but they are they're good at helping people Mm -hmm. you know because they give out loans and stuff but they're not a cold rigid business they like to know their customers and they grow relationships with them and the thing that makes it interesting the way that they give loans though because they give the loans so like for people to build their own houses however they want mr potter will give you whatever crappy house he has yeah, because he, he has overpriced slums, mm-hmm. and he's basically just trying to get an iron grip on the town. And then George comes in to... Um, Defend Peter, baby. Yeah, and this was during uh, the whole pharmacist, Mr. Gower exchange. And he mm-hmm. he walks in on his father, basically getting chewed out by Mr. Potter, and then he's just like, you can't talk about my father that way. 
he might not have as much money as you do, but he's a richer man than you. Mm -hmm. This is really important. Mm -hmm. Sticking up for... Mm -hmm. He stands by his principles, and he sticks up for his father. And then that happens. Oh, yeah, there's also a young girl named Mary mm -hmm. who has a crush. She even whispers in his deaf ear i'm gonna love you until i mm -hmm. the day i die george bailey and, and then, then the other one the, the flirt blonde. violet bick mm -hmm. one of the funniest lines i like george you like every boy what's wrong with that and then we down we're going to a time jump or now george is portrayed by carrie grant and sorry jimmy stewart <laughs> no jimmy, jimmy stewart that's the that's the philadelphia story they were in both oh. So they were both in that movie. And then uh, he's in a kind of like a leather store. I was like, I want a big bag and I want to have a lot of stamps on it. I want to travel. I was like, uh, and I was like, uh, and I was like, I want the biggest one. And then he was like, yes, this is the right one. And then he noticed that he has his name already. I was like, hey, what? Mr. Gabba bought it for you. And I was like, oh my. Yeah, for basically a token of appreciation. I love that literally Clarence is like, hold on, stop the movie, as they literally stop the movie. Yes. And he's like, wait a minute, who is that? And then Joseph, the angel, is like, well, that's George. He's all grown up now. He's like, oh, okay. And he's like, keep an eye on this face. So what's great is that we're getting exposition, but it's done in a way that doesn't feel out of place because this is, because Clarence is learning this too. In a very meta way. So the audience learns. Yes. It. So it doesn't feel cheap. Mm -hmm. Not only that, I think because a lot of people will say this, that maybe one of the first movies to ever like talk to the audience that we know that an audience there, they always refer to Ferris Bueller. And I'm like, I think you can see that maybe this is one of the first ones. It's a wonderful life of like talking to the audience that we are not. Well, I mean, he's talking to Clarence, but he's also talking to, really to mm -hmm, the audience. Because the Nikki Clarence is the audience avatar. We're seeing th everything through his eyes. I mean, that's a common thing to do in movies that they should bring back. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, they just refuse to do. They really don't make movies like this anymore. No. Like, it's very sad that movies now want to be either just put out for content, want to make an IP, want to make a franchise, they want to make a, a, some money, which, yeah, they're supposed to make money, but... Make something according to the algorithm. Yeah, it's just so cynical, and it makes me really sad mm -hmm. because there are movies like this out there. They're very hard to find, and they get buried, but they are out there. Oh yeah, that's why certain filmmakers and stuff you should go support mm -hmm. because they want to tell stories. And now we're in uh, 1928, so nine years later. Mm -hmm. He's 18 years old, and George is going to... He's always talked about, like, oh, I'm going to see the world. I'm going to do all this before going to college. And he's reintroduced to Mary, who is a sister of one of his friends. She's always had a crush on him. And she's now played by Donna Reed, who is a very famous American actress. Very beautiful. She won an Oscar for a movie called From Here to Eternity. Mm -hmm. And she also had her own show, Donna Reed Show. Just very popular. They're at the uh, the prom as well. Because he was just stopping by to get some food. And I love the conversation he has with his father. Yeah. Because he's just like, Dad, I gotta go and stuff. And his dad is just like, no, I understand, son. He's like, y you're not making fun of the people here. You're just frustrated because you want to, you have hopes and dreams. And you want to go out and just 
Mm-hmm. Just get out of this town. I get it. He and he's like talking about how a lot of his friends have already plans to do that as well. Because the Bailey building and loan is really the only thing that's keeping the town from being overtaken by Potter. And it's just a fun uh I love that the pool is also full already because the guy that mm-hmm. Mary was dancing with, played by the actor who played Alfalfa, by the way. Um Yes. Yeah, from the original uh, Little Rascals, um, opens up the pool in the middle, and Ooh, they end up nice. falling in. But then everybody starts jumping in, and they just—it's just a great, fun dance sequence. Everyone's doing the Charleston, and then we get into. This is the first time I was was seeing this last night. I was already crying. The moon scene. Oh, yeah, with uh, just some great chemistry between Donna Reed and Jimmy Stewart. My God, like, this scene should be studied. I'm pretty sure Nancy Myers, Nora Ephron, so many comedy, romantic comedy writers, they get this, like, to inspiration, like, to write good chemistry and good dialogue. It's, like, it's so beautiful, though. I love that there's a guy on a Porsche that's just like, stop talking, just kiss her. Yes, just kiss already. And you know what it reminded me? It reminded me when, when Gene Carey did a parody of this in Bruce Almighty, where he kissed the moon with the lasso. <laughs> but, where do you think that came from? And then was like, a, they just got out from this party, they're getting dry, and they see this big old house, 320 Sycamore. And they're like, a, I'll throw a rock into that house, says George, and I'll make a wish. I want to live there one day, George, says Mary. And then she throws it, and then George throws a rock. I was like, what do you wish, George? I wish. I already know what I wish. I'm going to have tomorrow, the next day, in the year, in the year after that. I'll shake the dust out of this town. I'm going to see the world, and I'll come back and change the town, go to college. What do you wish, Mary? If I say it won't come true, come on, tell me. No, no, just I don't want to tell you. Oh, you know what? What do you want? I'll give it to you right now. And then she's looking at the moon. I'll give you the moon. I'll get a big lasso and grab it and give it to you. You can swallow it. And then they go because they that just kiss already instead of talking to her to the dead. <laughs> and then uh, she pulls away because he was getting like, you know, I'll give you something. And uh, her robe comes off. Mm-hmm. She's hiding in the bushes. And this is George's last moment of happiness. Well, he's also just messing with Mary a little bit, where he's just like, ah, I don't know if I should give you this. I mean, she's just like, well, I guess I'm going to have to tell your mother. And he's like, well, she lives on that corner over there, so you're going to have to get out of the bushes. And she's like, I'll scream. And it's like, well, I mean, you can if you want. But then Uncle Billy and Harry show up, because he also is shown to have a good relationship with his brother as well and uh they're like george your father's had a stroke come quick Mm -hmm. so that throws a wrench in his plans now he has to stay behind and settle the affairs of because his father ends up dying yes because then we come into the building and law office i was like uh uh, so and they're talking now about everything i was like and then they brought up that george didn't went to europe after his father died and everybody in the board was like we need a successor and then we see Mr. Potter walking into the office. I just want to dissolve this company. And then George was like, you drug him to his dead, Mr. Potter. You can say anything about the character about my father, Mr. Potter. He was not smart. He didn't even have any money for my education. But he loved people. These rebel people that you don't like, Mr. Potter, are the hardworking class of this community. 
they don't deserve a place with decent room and bath. They have nothing. They will take decades to save $5,000 for my father. They were people, not a war frustrated old man that they can cattle. In my book, he died richer than you. And that's a constant theme and thing that's said throughout this movie is that they were rich with people. And $5,000 back then was a lot of money now. It's, uh, and this is something that Jimmy Stewart is great at. The impassioned monologue. He does it at the end of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. He does the impassioned filibuster, which is, and what's great about Jimmy Stewart is he believes every word he says. He says it with such sincerity and like, you believe everything that he's saying about this. You feel his passion as well. And he never took an acting class. Really? Yeah, no, he he believed that it was better to just learn on the job and get experience. Oh, that is a really good method, though. I like it. Mm-hmm. And I think that worked for him because he ended up being one of the best actors, like one of the best American actors. Nobody Nobody talks like this in real life. This is very 1940s. But you don't care. I mean, like, everybody loves Quentin Tarantino. He never got to high school, and he learned it all on his own, how to do movies. And so, like, everybody can learn. Yeah, but yeah, the way that they talk, a lot of times, like, how they talk and everything, people don't talk like that. But I love, there's also just some great shots from Frank Capra. And it doesn't feel like Bedford Falls is that much of a town, but you go through it quite a bit. You get to feel the geography, some great um, long shots of of following the can- of following the town and the following. And there's a lot of one takes. Yes, that's a lot as well. of one so it takes. feels more like a play. And I love mm-hmm. the one takes because that requires a lot of acting, not as many cuts and stuff, and it makes. That's why a lot of these older movies did that. And a lot of these actors were theater actors. So they could memorize lines of dialogue and stuff. But then afterwards... Then the board, they voted down by Mr. Parpa with one condition, George. They want you to be the head of the company. And you see, as you see the look on his face, too. The, the look in the eyes, the way that Frank Capra passed his eyes with... The anger and the deception that he's like, I'm so screwed. My God. No, no, not not deception. More like frustration. Well, yeah, frustration. Yeah. Because, yeah, he's just like, I'm just about to leave. Live my life and like live my dream. And then, you know, he wants to see the world. He's basically a Disney princess. Yes. But he has to put that aside. And accept this responsibility because he knows if he doesn't, the place is going to shut down. And then he's so he's sort of been strong armed into it. And I think that's something that all of us can relate to. Oh, my God. He's Rapunzel. Especially like whether it's a family issue or a job issue. We've all been strong armed into doing things we don't really want to do. And then he ends up giving his money to Harry so Harry can Mm -hmm. uh, travel and go to college because he figures hey if i'm not going to be able to use it my brother could he he's working alongside uncle billy and uh he he understand he's thinking that the understanding will be that when harry will return he'll run the business when he graduates but then harry returns from college married and with a job offer from his father-in-law mm-hmm. by the way they uh they're like oh man harry you 
you just eloped? You didn't tell anybody? They gave him a little bit of shit, but it was different back then. And uh, George is just like, mm-hmm. all right, I guess I'm going to run the building and loan. And I like that Harry at first is like, no, 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 George, I'll, I'll, I haven't accepted it. I know that you've stuck your neck out for people more times. He's going to do that. But George is just like, no, no, Harry, you just live your life. And then uh, while that happens, George and Mary end up uh, rekindling their relationship. Yeah, because we see that George sees uh, sees Viv and from afar, and Viv was like, "Oh, that's George Bailey." And then I, I was like, "Yeah, George." I was like, "Oh, you mean Violet?" Yeah, Violet was like, "Yeah, Violet was like, Violet was like, come on, you don't want to go out." I was like, and then I love that George was like, "Yeah, we could go to the forest." And then be anywhere now with bare feet and go to the lake and then explore the caverns. And she's like, ew, no. And then she's like, no, no. Because he knows that she's a flirt and that she's basically the town hoe. Yes. And he has no interest in her. Oh, and we know because there's a lot of men on, on her. Every single shot, there's a lot of men thirsting over her. Or she's leaving other days to go after George. I mean, gentlemen do prefer blondes, as Marilyn Monroe has taught us. But they also did say, no, that diamonds are a girl's best friend. Ha 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 ha. Um, anyway, they rekindle through a very tense scene where he's at her house, uh, Mary's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there's this also, this friend of his, Sam Way- Wainwrights. He always ends up going like, hee-haw. I guess that's just like a, a weird thing he does. I, I never, never understood got it. that joke. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Yeah. Oh, hee-haw. Hi, Sam. I think it's just like just a, a way to annoy people. Sam is loaded though, but he has he's just really awesome friends with George and Mary too. He doesn't seem to like be bothered. But Mary's mother wants Mary to go with Sam, not because she knows that Sam is loaded and that she can get out of the town. Not because she doesn't like George though. Everybody, everyone likes George. Nobody, nobody hates George. Um... And Nicky Mr. Potter hates George. And George is just like, you know, he's getting yes. frustrated. <laughs> well, Mr. Potter hates everybody and everybody hates him. So he doesn't count. And then, well, we're sort of understanding George is just frustrated because he's just like, God damn it. Can I just please, mm-hmm. can life give me a break? And then he's just like, I don't want to fall in love because I know if I fall in love, I'm basically going to be stuck in this town forever. But he can't deny his feelings for Mary either. And I love the little detail that she has the little lasso drawing of him uh, with lasso in the room. Yeah, at first he's just like, oh, yeah, no, no, that's great. And everything. And he's just like, listen to me. I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to stay in this town. And, oh, Mary. And he's just like, oh, I can't deny it anymore. But don't forget the and meme, then... though. With the way that she destroyed grass, which was like, <laughs> that was a meme in TikTok like two years ago. From... Oh, yeah, with the uh, Buffalo Gal, won't you come out tonight? Come out tonight. It's the song that Homer sings when he has to pay for Santa's Little Helper's oh, operation. Oh, my God. From The Simpsons. That's true. It's a very old song. Um, and they end up they end up getting married. Mm-hmm. But don't forget that Sam proposed George to invest in plastic, but he said no. Yeah, because he knew that it w- because he had to run the loan building alone and he was like he's he's very selfless to the point where it's affecting him and then uh we see this example again because george and mary they 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 saved up a lot they saved up two thousand dollars which was a lot of money 
back then. I mean, that's that's money now. It's a lot of money for some people, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And um, they were going to go on their honeymoon and everything. And uh, also, I love that there's a cop named Bert and there's the taxi driver named Ernie. So it makes me think, okay, so that's where Sesame Street got it from, you know, Bert and Ernie. Ernie. And uh, they noticed, because this is taking place before yes. the Great Depression, mm-hmm. that there's a run on the bank, which is essentially, bank doesn't have any money. And people want to get their money. Mm-hmm. And that, that started the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why banks nowadays they have to have a certain amount of money in their vaults to prevent that. And they use their honeymoon savings to help mm-hmm. uh, with the building and loan solvent. And they managed to stay in business with $2 left. Not only that, but I do like the the struggle of George. She was like, no, 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 please, because everybody wants to go with Mr. Potter because Mr. Potter will offer them 50 cents on the dollar that he had in the bag. Just to get all of the investors from building and loan to go to Mr. Potter. He's trying to buy them out, essentially. They to buy them out, and then George was like, no, Mr. Potter, he's just a scheme. He just want to buy the town. And I was like, please, just stay. It was like, I have saved you all for so many things. I was like, says to one of the guys, you were in one of those Potter houses that were horrible. And then the mystery, and then you came here. Don't you like it? And then I love how George is pleading. And then Mary's the one that made the decision. I was like, we have this. Like, uh, it shows their money. And then they're like, no, don't use your money. And then she's just like, oh, no, no, we will do this. And then they somehow split from all those people, $2,000. But I love how there's that one, the first uh, sir, the Mr. Oh, Randall. fucking Tom. The first guy is just like, $242. I want my $242. And then even George is just like, fine. God, can anybody else just have money to just tide them over? Mm-hmm. And then I love this lady. I was like, I need $300, please. What do you need for next week? $17. I love how she kisses on the cheek. Thank you. Thank you. And he's just... Yeah, like, but she knows everyone by one. name, too. Yes. And it's so cool. He's just like, oh, you know, I don't have your money. And I'm- gosh um and then under george the company manages to start a housing development um it's called bailey park don't forget about the surprise that mary did in the house oh yes mary bought the 320 sycamore 320 sycamore for their honeymoon and gets bert and ernie to help them make it like the inside, they make do with what they have. They put up posters in every single window of all of the places that George wanted to go to. And the home is a shack, essentially. It's in shambles. It's I terrible. Final that has a little string putting the chicken roasting it on the other side. I'm like, the, like a. It's one of those heartwarming, so cute. Yes. cute, like romantic comedy things where you know Mary knows how much that meant to George, mm-hmm. but she wants to. She's like, well, okay, we don't have that, but he's rich in people. It's shown very clearly that he cares about people, he cares about their well-being, and that people love and respect him. And then she says, well, we'll go home, Mr. Rainey. And she's like, remember that night we broke those windows? That This is what we wish I wish for. And I'm like, God damn it. Donna Reed is so beautiful. Yes. And then later on, we get a great scene. With Mr. Potter trying to win George over. And he's like, I'm going to offer you a $20,000 job. Mm-hmm. A year. A year. So 
I did the math. That's about almost $400,000. I knew it was almost like 20 times the value or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was also because the inflation, uh, the deflation rate was much higher because this was during the Great Depression. And then he's like, oh, you know, you can get your wife some fancy clothes and go to New York all, all the time. Or maybe go to Europe every once in a while. And at first, I mean, he even has like the the cigar in his mouth to celebrate and then uh george is like oh okay but then immediately i love how he just looks down and then he just like wipes his hand and he realizes he's like oh it's the deal with the devil because mm -hmm. he's like i know what you're trying to do you're trying to buy me out so you can get what you want and he's like no my answer is no i don't need a day in the whole vast configuration of everything in the universe i'd say you're nothing but a scurvy little spider and I love that he goes, and that goes for you too, to his bodyguard. And you. I love how he just walks out with the cigarette or with the cigar as well. He's like, I'm going to keep the cigar. <laughs> yes. I mean, he doesn't say that, but. I love that. I was like, I'm keeping this. The pacing and the reaction on Jimmy Stewart's face. That's very rare to see now. Mm -hmm. Where they just let the scene play out. Mm -hmm. It's not over. It's not drowned out with music. It's not drowned out with, or it's not choppy editing. It's just letting things play out. And it really helps the pacing of this movie. Because this movie is only like two hours. It's not, it's not super fast, but it's got a very steady pace yes. to it. And also the thing that you that was going to bring out, and you mentioned it, that it feels like you're watching a stage play, or like a theater play. I love every time we see that moment of doubt or a decision in G in Jimmy Stewart's eyes, like it's beautiful acting. Like we know what he's gonna say, we know how he feels without any dialogue. That's the thing that I love about his acting right here in this movie. Oh yeah, I forgot there was another one of George's friends in Bailey Park that gets a home. It's Mr. Martini. He's the local bartender and his whole family. And and then George learns that Sam got a lot of money from the plastic that he didn't invest in. Yeah, and he's just like, okay, I got a vacation home in Florida with the new missus, but I just wanted to say, hey, guys, you know, no hard feelings or anything. Uh, uh, Sam is a very nice man. Even though he's an asshole with the insult that we don't we don't understand. He's nice, but I'm like, hee-haw. <laughs> hee-haw, yeah, I was like, what the, what the hell is that? He, he, it, it's just one of those things that, like, I guess he just annoyed people with. It's also like a trademark. And they're just like, you know, oh, Sam, you... <laughs> And then George goes back to the house, and then uh, George is remembering in his head all of the last the lasso moment. And then Mary was like, a, "But man, then George was like, but why did you marry me, Mary? I don't deserve you." And I was like, "I don't deserve anything." I was like, and "Mary was like, yes, I do. You're, I deserve you, my George. You're, you're with me, and also you can, I, my." This while you're touching, can I? It needs to have a father. I was like, but Mary, oh, what? I was like, yes, I'm pregnant. I was like, is it a boy or a girl? And then I was like, we'll see. And then I, I love this kind of like little montage that he was. This is another thing that I love about the montage. We see that the narrator says that he got a boy and then he got a girl. And we see that Mary, throughout all of these years... And then he had another boy, and then he had another girl. And then she re was remodeling the house. Little by little, but George arrives every single time more tired and tired. And I love the focus on his hair. 
It's getting grayer and grayer. Yeah, he's it's it's unkempt. It's grayer. Comes back just he works late hours at the office. He doesn't really appreciate what he's got. But Mary took a lot of work to make the home well a home raising four kids because back then uh, there was no such thing as birth control. So families they they had a, they tended to have a lot of kids. Oh no! And this is low for kids and families my my grandfather rest in, rest in peace he was uh the number 12 of his father 12 my mother is the second youngest of six and again that that was not uncommon so like if you see like eight or in your case 12 households with that many kids yeah that was that was very common and mm -hmm. um we see that uh another war happens he doesn't get to leave either. And Harry serves and he helps save a transport ship by mm -hmm. downing two kamikaze uh, pilots. So he saved a bunch of men. So he gets the Medal of Honor. And we see also that other people served in the war and they did it all right. But George is here, you know. Um, fighting the war of before Front. Yep, fighting the war at home, which is. Selling war bonds and doing the metal drive so that they can make the tanks. Like Sam Wainwright made a fortune with uh, making the plastic hulls of planes. And George was exempt because of his left ear. Because he can't hear out of that ear. That's a big flaw. It's, in war, it's mm -hmm. a literal life or death situation. That could Clear, precise communication is something that you absolutely need. And if you can't hear out of one ear... You know, what if they're yelling towards the left and they say, oh, you got to do this, and he doesn't hear it. So that's why he was exempt. It's just, that didn't happen in real life. And there is a reason why. There, there's a scene in this movie that always makes me cry because of what Jimmy Stewart actually went through. He, in fact, did serve. He flew over 42 combat missions. Oh, wow. He was, yeah, he was, he was a badass. And this, then we're caught up to the present. So we're like an hour and 20 minutes into this movie. We still got 40 minutes left and we're basically starting the second act. And now it's the morning before Christmas. It's Christmas Eve and they're going to have a huge celebration for Harry. And there's a bank examiner that's coming to conduct just an audit. Mm -hmm. And then Uncle Billy goes to the bank for a deposit of $8,000. And then Potter comes by. And Uncle Billy is just like, ha ha, look at Harry. But he accidentally folds the newspaper with the cash envelope in it and he gives it back to Mr. Potter. And then he realizes he lost the money. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we're kind of screwed because now the bank doesn't have any money. Mm -hmm. And if we fail our audit, they could shut us down. And of course, George is just like, well, what the hell, Uncle Billy? You stupid old fool. And it's like, great, great, Billy. You made us Billies look bad. <laughs> And he's like, that's going to be a scandal. One of us is going to jail. And it's gonna, not going to be me. This is the moment when George snaps. Yeah, and there's also like a raven that he has as a pet for some reason. And But uh, I mean, Uncle Billy just like starts just bawling down crying. He goes, you know, he didn't mean it. And before this moment, George gave the blonde girl some money for her to go to New York. It's important. Yep. And, and then Mr. Potter makes his evil plan from afar. As that happens, you know, because George is just fine. And that means... You know, now they're going to be bankrupt. And uh, he goes home and he's in a bad mood. And his, prepared, and his family are like very cheerful and stuff, you know, in the Christmas spirit. 
And then George, he's got like a five o'clock shadow. His hair is very unkempt. And he just starts verbally abusing his wife and children. They know he doesn't mean it, but it was the, it was a thing that had been building up for years. And so we, I love me that Susu had a cold because um, the, the teacher let, let her be, go go out, out of school almost half naked. And I love that she calls Mrs. Walsh. She was like, how dare you send my girl like this way? I'm going to, you're not going to hear the, the, the end of it. It was like, a, you touch your children. And I was like, a, and then I'll hear the blah, 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 the thing on the phone. And then it's a Mr. Pa- oh, Mr. Welsh. Well, yeah, yeah, your wife, technically, your wife is not a good teacher. I love how it's that whole fight in there. The thing that everybody alarmed is when he's like, why do we have all these kids? Mm-hmm. Everyone's just like really shocked at this because they know. They're like, why are you acting? And they call her Zuzu because apparently she couldn't say the word Susan. So she just said Zuzu. You know, as little kids say, try to say things all the time. So they just called her that. Oh, and sh- and she also... She didn't have her coat buttoned up because she didn't want to harm a rose that she'd been given. And that's when the petals start coming down. And that's she gives some of those petals to George. It's supposed to be his little pocket almost by the belt. Yeah, watch pocket. The watch pocket. And then, oh, that's true. That was back then. And then we also, uh, the way that he's now, so like, and tells one of the girls, I was like, just stop playing this. And then it was, I'm sorry. So like, just keep playing. No, daddy, I can't do this anymore. It was like, a- no, and like he starts throwing and kicking things too. And then they're just all looking at him and he just, the look of shock on his own face where he's like, Oh God, what have I done? And he just doesn't talk to his wife for kids. And he's just like, you know, I'm going to go get a drink. And then, and the child's like, well, well we're going to pray for daddy. Yeah, you should pray for daddy. And then George, goes to beg Mr. Potter. And, and then I goes, please, sir. I was like, I, I really need your help. I was like, you misplaced the money. Yes. Do you notice that? But do you notify the police? I was like, no. There's gossip that you give money to Vivian. I was like, why you ask money to your friends? Now I'm important to you, says Mr. Potter. What is the thing that you have now? What's the only thing that has like how this fifteen thousand life insurance? You used to be so cocky, George. You call me a frustrated old man. Now you're the frustrated one. You were more dead than alive. I was like, go. Basically rubbing it in his face, and he's like, ha ha ha. And then go, George. I'm a shoehorn. I can just call the police right now and notify you of your crimes. Yeah, because he's like, okay, so you basically just been embezzling money. And then he goes to Martini's tavern, and when he starts praying, and he's just like. I'm at the end of my rope. And he just whispers. And you see tears in his eyes, too. He's just like, show me the way. Mm-hmm. Show me the way. That always gets me, too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you go through a tough time, mm-hmm. you start to say things like that. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Stewart did that because he had just come home from World War II. Mm-hmm. He saw a lot of men die. So it was basically him acting through his grief. He wasn't supposed to cry. Oh, wow. They didn't and that's why Frank Capra blew up that shot of his face. Like, you know, close up. That's why it looks more grainy, because he really wanted to capture that. And it's essentially just Jimmy Stewart working out th- his grief mm-hmm. and his PTSD. And he starts drinking. And, uh, you know, the, the bartender, Nick, is very nice to him. And he's just like, hey, George, you need any help? And he's like, no, that's okay. And then we see that Mr. Welch is there. And then he punches him in the face. And then I love how immediately they're just like, all right, get out of here. You're banned from the place. And it shows mm-hmm. just how important George is to these people. 
right away. Mm-hmm. They don't even need to say anything. They're just like, uh, my friend, how can we help you? And George is just like, no, 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 I'm just, I guess I'm just going to leave and see that he drives his car towards the bridge. But because no crashes the car in the tree. Yeah. He, because it's snowing like crazy, he crashes it in the tree and then uh, also because he's drunk. Yeah. And then he gets uh, berated for harming the tree, but he doesn't care. He just keeps walking. Uh, and he's going to jump off a bridge and kill himself. And then... But then Clarence falls out of the bridge instead of George. George is looking... I love this focus of George seeing the water and it looks freezing and the pieces of ice. They focus on the ice that he's about to do it. But then we see... I love how the music changes from super tragic to Clarence falling. And I love how it's like very more harmonious. And then he goes to save Clarence. And then they were in the in the room and the, the security uh from the bridge. I was like, uh, and then I kind of was like, I jump in to save you, George. I was like, it's against the law of what you were gonna do. From where you come from, I came from heaven. I knew you were gonna save me. I'm the answer to your prayers. Old Tom Sawyer is drying out too because he has a copy of Tom Sawyer mm-hmm. as well. Because Clarence, I mean, that's why his his name's Oddbody. He's just like, ah, oh, sorry about. Haven't updated my garment collection. I died in this, you know. And it's like, why you want to save me? I'm your guardian angel. You kill yourself for money. Why? It was like, a, yeah, but we don't need my kind of We don't need money where I come from. Where are your wings? I need to earn them. And you can help me, George. That's why I'm an angel of second class. I need to earn them. And then George is just like, how do you know my name? Mm-hmm. He's like, I know everything about you. I'm your guardian angel. Why don't you believe this? How many times do I got to tell you this, old man? And then Clarence was like, I just saw the movie. <laughs> I just saw the movie playing right now. I was like, well, uh, I mean, to be fair, if somebody told you that they were there, they were your guardian angel and they knew your name and you didn't know them at all, I think you'd. Yeah, we'll have the same reaction too. React the same way too. I'd be, I'd be like, who the fuck are you? I'm going to call somebody. I will ask like really five hardcore questions about me. If he got them all, all right, that means that, yeah, you're my angel though. <laughs> <laughs> also the fact that angels exist mm-hmm. but he he's just like uh uh he's like martini must have just put something in this drink i don't know but then he's like you know what i wish i'd never been born and then clarence is just like huh no say that's a that might be you're on to something and he just looks up and he goes what do you think you think we could do that and he's talking to god and he's like that's not a bad idea and he's like okay george you were never born you get to see what it's like i love the power so the the angels and the god was like to create a whole alternate universe and for him to see it and he's like and then i was like uh, yeah you got your wish you had never been born i was like uh, and i was like uh, but and then george was like i heard you so clearly also your lips stopped bleeding as well you don't have your problem because you were never born and it stopped snowing outside and it's those little details that i love and then they go walking come on i'll give you a ride i was like Where's my car? I left my car right here. And then we see the old man, the old man of that, that house was like, where is my car? I haven't never seen you in my life, says, says the old man. I left a dent in this tree. And then he noticed that there's no dent in the tree. And then I was like, how you say that? How you could have one of the oldest trees here in Pottersville? And then George was like, Pottersville? So in the pastel, he thinks that he's drunk. I was like, come on, let's go to Martini's. And then, but he notices that everything in the bar looks different. And But he notices that Nick is also, the, the bartender is way different too. Nick was one of the assessors of Martini's. And then he says, you will see a lot of strange things right from now. And then we see that 
he's charging one of the one of the taps, and then he hears that bell from from the cashier machine. I was like, ah, huh. every time that you hear a bell ring, someone will cut his wings. Says Clarence. I was like, ah, and then and George is like, how old are you, Clarence? Two hundred ninety three years old. Yeah, and I love. Many people think that Clarence is a big part of this movie. He's really not. He only is in it for like maybe five minutes, twenty minutes, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Like mostly in the like in the last act, and he's just very. He's very kindly. He, he looked old even then. Mm-hmm. He just keeps telling George, you know, I'm your guardian angel. I told you this is going to happen. And he's not really bothered by George's, like, disbelief or anything. He's just like, hey, no, I'm just here. I'm riding this out until you realize. Um, and, yeah, and the bartender is very nasty mm-hmm. and very rude. And, uh, I mean, yeah, Clarence is very polite, too. And... Then we see that Mr. Gower comes in and he's homeless and Nick tells him to leave. And he's just like, mm-hmm. who are you? Because obviously he'd never been born. He said that he spent 20 years in prison for poisons, poisoning some child in a manslaughter charge. And if you know him, then you must be a convict too. So get out of here. So they're both thrown out. You weren't there to stop him. And then Kyle's like, you were never there, you're George. You were never born. So he went to jail. Mm-hmm, to stop him. I was like, what are you really? Are you got an angel? No, you're you're a hypnotist. You you do some you did something to me. I was like, you were never born. You're nobody. You will say about that. And then he goes into his pockets. He's like, you have no papers, George. You have nothing. License, birth certificate, you have nothing. You're not there either. I was like, I have this, and then he goes to wash back and then he knows it says Yeah. So pedals. They're not there. She was never born because you were never born. And then, uh, you know, George is just like, all right, this isn't funny anymore. And he's just like, I told I gave you what you wanted. And I was like, you have the great privilege to see a world without you. It's like, I'm going home right now. And then he's walking and then he sees instead of saying paper falls, it says Pottersville. And we see that it's basically a sleazy like Vegas Yeah, it's all clubs, billers, hooker places, casinos. Showgirls, it's like a lot of bars, a lot of nightclubs. It's Bibstown from Back to the Future, but in the 40s, pretty much. Basically, yeah. And uh, we see George, uh, the police are arresting Violet from a brothel, which is the former building and loan building. And uh, he hails Ernie's taxi, but Ernie's like, I don't know who you are, I don't know where you live, just give me an address. And uh, he's like, That's an abandoned home, I'll take you there anyway. And then then Ernie says, oh, my wife left three years ago, and I live in a place called Pottersfield. Mm-hmm. And then he signals Bert, who's just like, hey, this guy's crazy. Just just follow him for me, will you? And uh, he calls for his family. And then he goes to his mom's boarding school, Yeah, too. and he thinks, because, um, because, yeah, if you were driven to an abandoned building, wouldn't you? That, kind of, that sounds very sketchy. So that's why he signaled Bert, and he's like, hey, hey, just arrest this guy. All right, and... Uh, but Clarence uh, intervenes, and uh, then he goes to his mom's house. It's now this broken down place, and she's just like, I don't know who you are. And he mentions Uncle Billy, and she's like, oh, he was put in an asylum after the building alone went out of business, and I think that's where you should be in, too. Now, good night. You know, because he's just like, don't you recognize me, Ma? And she's like, I don't know who you are. And then it was like, and then Clarence was like, I want to see Bailey Park. And then he sees that Bailey Park is now a cemetery. Who are these people? And then I was like, and then he notices a grave. 
and then okay, uncovers the snow and notices it's Harry's uh, tomb. And I was like, you were never born? You never seen him, George? He died. He's like, no, 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 he saved all those men on that transport. He was a hero. And then Clarence goes, no, all those men on that transport died because you weren't, because, and Harry wasn't able to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. He drowned at the age of nine years old because you weren't there. And you're just like, man, that whole domino effect. It's a big domino effect, yeah. And that's where you're like, oh my God. But that's what makes the ending feel so earned. Yes, that's true. And then uh, he, of course, asks about the last thing, which is uh, Mary. Uh, Mary. And he's like, you're not going to like it, George. And he's like, just where is she? Where is she? She's an old maid. Oh, no. She's a spinster. She works at the library. Oh, my God. And then he goes there. And then stupidly, he's like, he's like grabbing her and stuff. And he's like, Mary, it's me. And of course, she's like screaming and stuff. And he's just like, you know, get, get out of here. Ah, help. And then a crowd of many people he knows they have no idea who he is of course and then he's finally like oh my gosh and then george is calling out for clarence as uh goes back to the group bridge yeah and then uh well he slugs bert right in the face um and uh i love that he shoots but misses him uh you can actually see the bullet hit one of the uh pottersville letter letters in the background too and yeah clarence is gone and he just runs to the bridge and he's just like, help me, Clarence, please. I want to live again. And he's just like, I want to live again. And just the way he says, I want to live again one more time, just like with such heartbreak and stuff. And you're like, oh, my God. I know. And then it starts to snow. And then Bert arrives. And he's just like, George, where the hell have you been? And he's just like, get out of here, Bert, before I wait a minute. You know me, Bert? He's like, no, no, you are. are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. He's just like, hey, your mouth's bleeding. My mouth's bleeding, Bert! Whoopee! Oh, Zuzu's petals! Zuzu's petals, they're here! Isn't it wonderful? Yeah! Oh, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! And then he sees the car was my crappy car! Oh, look. Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls! Merry Christmas, you old run-down building and loan! Peter! Merry Christmas, Emporium! Merry Christmas, Peter! And then, then he... <laughs> Bangs on the window. Merry and he's like, Mr. Potter. Hey, Mr. Potter. Merry Christmas. <laughs> he's like, and a Merry Christmas to you in jail. I wanted him to go, hey, fuck you, Mr. Potter. Fuck <laughs> you, too, George. And then he comes back and he's just like so appreciative now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the officials are the there. He kisses the children. Yeah, he's like, kids. Uh, or he's like, the, the auditor is just like, Mr. Bailey. And there's and he's like, I bet it's a warrant for my arrest. I'm going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> and then even when he's going up the stairs, there's always the end of the staircase. The the wooden top is always falling off. Yes. And then he grabs it. But then he's like kissing it. And he's like, oh, he loves it now. He truly appreciates what he has. I also love the detail that they put out that he's sweating a lot because he has been running. I, a lot of movies forget that in continuity. I love that he's sweating, but also you feel that he's so happy seeing his children again. Yeah, and then he's just like, where's your mother? Where's your mother? Zuzu, my little ginger snap, come over here. He's hugging his kids, and then Mary comes home, and he's just like, Mary. And they're like, oh, man, George, it's a miracle. You gotta come here. He's just like, are you real? And then he starts just really kissing the shit out of her. And uh, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, no, no, bring it in. Because Uncle Billy's there, too, with this big um, 
basket full of cash and he's just like mary arranged the whole thing we just went from one side of the town to the other we just said george was in trouble and that we needed money and then everybody pitched in mm. and then this is where it really gets you too because sam wires twenty five thousand bucks twenty five thousand dollars and then everybody that's there oh like their maid annie came in she she's also very funny mm-hmm. she's like i've been saving this for a divorce if i ever get a husband <laughs> And then uh, they're like, I wouldn't have a roof over my head if it wasn't for you, George. Mr. Martini, he's like, I'm breaking the jukebox, too. <laughs> uh, you know, Bert and Ernie, just everybody in town comes in. Even his old teachers and stuff. They all pitch in so much money. And then, yeah, $25,000 from Sam to cover the debt. More than cover it. Mm-hmm. And then they're moved and they know. They're like, you know what? We're going to throw some money into because they know how much this man is loved. And they start singing. And I love one of the auditors breaks the the warning. Yeah, they start singing Hark the Herald Angel Sing as well. And then suddenly Harry arrives from his party in New York. And he's just like, oh, it didn't matter to me. I left as soon as I got the telegram. And then he says to my big brother, George, the the richest man in town. (laughs) Yeah. And then they sing Auld Lang Syn, you know, the the thing that they sing at every New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And then George sees Clarence's book. Copy of Tom Sawyer. And, uh, and then he sees the note. It says, Dear George, remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Thanks for the wings. Love, Clarence. And then we hear the little girl say, Look, Daddy, a bell! It was like a, an boy, Clarence. And then... He's like, this, this is from a dear old friend of mine. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. And he's like, that oh boy, Clarence. That oh boy. And then it ends. Mm-hmm. Everyone's so happy. Such a good movie. Such a really good movie. I mean, talk about complete 180 from just feeling so depressed and in despair to the end where you're just so happy that you cry. Like, even now, whenever I see the writing where it says, no man is a failure who has friends. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the wings. Mm-hmm. It really hits me, you know, because it's true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not everybody, uh, there, there are people that go through a lot of tough times. Everybody has a tough time in their life. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things that really makes you... <laughs> Yeah, the title is true. It is a wonderful life if you can make it. Um, I'm gonna say I for me as an adult, I didn't have been through some stuff like the way that he has gone. The other thing that I noticed until now, um, George Bailey's character, he's a caregiver that he cares about his community, about his people. He doesn't care about himself because he wants to take care of care of others. And then I just started thinking in my head, I was like, Tenniki George Bailey, Steven Universe without the powers? Well, because he cares so much about the people. Well, yeah, he's just a good man. And then he snapped for a bit, like in Steven Universe 2. But you, under, but you understand why. You understand him. That's what I'm saying. I was like, um, a lot I of I can't believe have... you're somehow relating It's a Wonderful Life to Steven Universe. I mean, like, there's but a it lot of makes, But it, it makes sense. Yes. But it's just. You know, you don't think that the little things you do for people mean that much. But really, they they really do. It's a ripple effect. Because it shows mm-hmm. friendship and love. You know, they'll, they'll pay back in droves. In this case, an entire town 
pitched in. He affected everybody in that town just by being a good person. The thing that I like about the movie, and I'm pretty sure this was very edgy back in the 40s, to explore a man in the brink of suicide. Because we're talking in the 40s. There's only one other movie that did that during the 40s, or touched upon it, but uh, it dealt with people coming back from home. And it actually won the best picture that year, as It's a Wonderful Life was... It won all the awards that It's a Wonderful Life was nominated for. It's called The Best Years of Our Lives. It's a very good movie. And it's more or less about adjusting to civilian life. Oddly enough, also takes place during the wintertime. Mm. But this is considered one of the greatest movies of all time. But the thing that shocks most people mm-hmm. is that when it was first released, it, did, it, didn't, it did not do well. Mm-hmm. It didn't even come close to the break-even point. It barely came half to that. But as years went on, oh yeah, this is loosely based on like a Christmas Carol. It's the American Christmas Carol. But um, a lot of studios thought that Frank Capra lost his ability to produce popular, financially successful films because he had done that. And, and initially, it also received very mixed reviews. Yeah, like I said. Mm-hmm. But after its copyright lapsed in 1974, it fell into the public domain. So they just aired it on TV. And allowed it to be broadcast without any licensing or royalty fees. So the word just spread over time. And people discovered this movie. And now it's a Christmas classic. Like it's one of those things where you got to watch it at least once in your life. And this was Frank Capra said this is his favorite among the movies he directed. He screened it for his family every Christmas. And it was one, I believe if it was one of, if not Jimmy Stewart's favorite movie that he worked on. Because it's just, it, I said it many times in this episode, it's sincere. Mm. It's honest. Aww. Like, it's a, it's a very mature take on these issues that are just timeless. And that's just the human experience, really. Because we've all, we've all been George Bailey. It's a sincere movie. It's heartwarming. It's really honest. It's a beautiful character study, too. You think about it? Some of us more than others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I have been on that situation of, like, almost doing that. And I'm like, I have been in those situations. Of like, a, I know how it feels. But it's all about keep going and finding and having hope. And I, that's why I was crying throughout, throughout the whole movie. And... This is a really beautiful movie. It's heartwarming. The acting is amazing. Frank Capra, the message is gorgeous. This is a classic. I mean, like, they, I have my only nitpick, though, and I said at the beginning, I think Mr. Potter should have had a little bit, kind of like a retribution of what he did. But I understand the thing that you said at the beginning before we recorded. I was like, yeah, but technically the town... Like help at the be at the end. You didn't need to see that, but I'm like, I was gonna. He's gonna die old and alone. Yeah, he's gonna Doesn't die matter. old and alone. Yeah, and, George, and yeah, George is the richest man mm-hmm. in that town. He's rich in people. He's mm-hmm. rich where it counts. Mm-hmm. If I sound like very emotional and stuff, it's because I am. This film really it affects a it affects me personally. Like it, I know it does for a lot of people. And um but if you don't hear me like this, it's because I did already did the crying like yesterday. <laughs> yeah, but I did cry a lot. Yeah, I was really emotional. Yeah, even people that don't get the movie as much. I know there's it's like a lot of people cry at the end of it because 
yeah, yeah, I know kids that have cried during it. And it's a black and white movie from the 40s. At some point, you're like, yeah, it really does live up to the hype. Mm, it does. Like, every, like there are some movies that are so overhyped. This is not one of them. Maybe it's because it's during Christmas. Maybe it's because of the bias of the Christmas season, the, mm. the schmaltziness of it. Because, yeah, it's very of its time, but it's also very timeless at the same time. Yes. It's not a perfect movie, but it's one of the best. There's a reason why it's talked about so much. My only two complaints is that Mr. Parishuk had a little bit of retribution. And number two, I think I would have wished a little bit like 10 more minutes in the alternate universe. In the, but I still like this movie a lot, even though it's my second time watching it ever. I give this movie a 10. It's a really good movie. I know this is the end of our Christmas season and our holiday season. Mm-hmm. But I think that it really exemplifies what Christmas and what the holidays are supposed to mm-hmm. exemplify, which is goodwill towards men, your your fellow man or woman or whoever. And yeah, I think we picked a very good movie to end it on and leave you with a great happy feeling. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't say it before, happy holidays. Happy holidays to everyone. We can't wait to continue doing what we're doing into the new year we don't get a lot of viewers but for the people that do listen Mm -hmm. thank you thank you so much we feel we we do this mainly to stay in touch and because we've been friends for almost a a decade yes and you know i have a lot of love and respect for raul that i know a lot of people or even if he thinks that a lot of people don't um and I do care about you a lot, though, because I still remember when I met you. I mean, like... We both, we both, uh, let's just say we both been through a lot of hell together. Yes. And I, I was there when you spent your, one of the more, the, one of your worst hells. And I... It was all, it was, uh... And I didn't want it to leave you alone because I think I am like Steven Universe. I care about people. I like to take care, care of people. I know it sounds schmaltzy and very 40s. But that's also because the movie brings out a lot of that in us. And it's the end of the year, so we're allowed to do that. So fuck you, it's our show. Um, it's our show, yeah. We have done this for 250 episodes, so I'm like, come on. Almost, yeah, almost, almost 250. as of the time of this recording. we I don't know, we might have done more by the end of it. We'll see. We record these very early on. There's some miscount. I'm pretty sure that we have miscounted the canon already. <laughs> well, you like to count the TV show episodes yes. as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, this movie's a ten for me, straight up ten out of ten. Yeah, and pretty good. Mm. That will do it for season four. Crazy season five. Season five is gonna be more variety, I guess, more or less the same. We're not really beholden onto any themes. We're still keeping our promise. No MCU. I'm trying to do yeah, no Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm wanting to start more traditions and mm-hmm. certain things in the show that it's you know it's it's a lot of fun to do this stuff yes i mean like we started this because i told you number one i was like um you and i we we always talk that we always talk about movies before we started this on face and for like two or three hours or that we should just record oh god it. i remember when we used to go for like six six hours just yes. straight up talking into the 
dead of night and it was mm-hmm. it was a couple of our friends too but we would always be the last two standing yes it got really deep really personal mm-hmm. and not like in the way that you think it's just like human personal you know and yeah next year we're gonna start off with some let's just say some unfinished business yes that uh we've been meaning to take care of we have a lot of it but this is going to be a step in the right direction yeah happy holidays happy holidays to everyone to everybody have a happy new year and until then where can the good people find you, buddy? You can find me as always at RobertRDC on Twitter, Instagram, and on Letterboxd at RobertRDC. Please follow the podcast and SYNS pod on Twitter. And please give, give us a nice review on Apple, Spotify, and the other ones in you believe. Yes, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at MasterofPuns196. Every word starts with a capital letter. You can also follow me on Instagram at BillyBatsonsLightning. Nothing is capitalized. And once again, you can follow our main show, Twitter, at SYNS pod as well as give us a five-star, just write a review on Apple Podcasts, as well as listen to us on Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spotify for podcasters, wherever you can listen to podcasts. And as always, see you next summer. Dun, 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 dun. Yay!